We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, The Ten Commandments. Bum, bum, bum. A look at the original commandments and how they align with Christ's law. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. Well, good morning. My name's Brennan, as he said, B. Brennan, whatever you want to call me, apparently, uh, but Brennan, and it's so good to be here with you guys today. This is our first time, mine and Kara's first time, back in the building, because we were gone the last two weeks, so this is awesome. So good to be here, and probably the reason that you guys are all here today is because you didn't read ahead in the Bible, because today we're, con- we're continuing our series in the Ten Commandments in Exodus, and today is going to be interesting. (laughs) So, um, thankfully you guys didn't know what the next commandment was, so you actually showed up. But I don't know if I would have come either for this one. Um, So let's find out what today's commandment is. Like I said, we've been walking through the Ten Commandments one each week, and today we're coming to the Eighth Commandment. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, and I'm just going to read the passage for you today. It'll be on the screen. You can find it in your Bible. It's real long. Here it is. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. Um, so that's the passage for today. I've titled today's sermon, You Shall Not Steal. The main point of today's sermon is that we shouldn't steal, and it means, I think, that we shouldn't steal. (laughs) And the application today is that I want to challenge you this week not to steal. All right? So that's essentially it. Let me pray for us, and we'll be dismissed today. Now, obviously, you know, some of you are like, yes, yes, (laughs) we're off to Lunt Beach, to the barbecue. No, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what we think, though, when we read this. We're like, what could we actually say about this passage? What could we say about any of these commandments beyond what it already Says So that's the exciting thing today is that we actually get to dive deeper into this passage and see what all this entails and what all this means for us, which I think is a lot more than what appears on the surface. Um, Now, we've been talking about the Ten Commandments a lot, obviously, and some of the things that we've learned about the Ten Commandments as a whole is that they are words of life addressed directly to us as disciples of Jesus and as children of God. And even though it's true that, you know, that little funny intro, like we think, what else could be said? There's actually so much more. As you already know, if you've been listening to some of these sermons in this series, you've seen how much deeper we can go with these truths. Um, Let me do a little bit review even. The Ten Commandments are a gracious gift from God. This is something that we've been saying every week. 
Before God gives a single command, he reminds Israel that he delivered them. God saved Israel before they had his law to obey. And like I said, when I preached on the second commandment, in Exodus 4, Israel is actually called God's son. It's called God's son. God has caused his child to be born again, as it were, through the waters of the Red Sea. And now he's teaching that son how to live, how to walk. So as Exodus 19.4 says, this is a passage just one chapter earlier, it says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So God has taken this people from Egypt. He's planted them on this mountain. They are no longer Pharaoh's slaves, but God's redeemed bride. And now he's giving them the law. So the commandments... I think this is key. The commandments don't save us. They teach us how to live because God saved us. So it's because God already saved us that we follow these commands. Um, And today specifically, the eighth commandment. And you know, you can think about this. Like from an early age, we are all tempted to steal. It shows up in us as small as like two years old, right? So what would we see if we walked into a nursery today? We're taking off kids zone for the holiday, but what would we see if we had a nursery room just to walk in and observe, you know, just sit down like some anthropologist or something, sit down in the corner with a little clipboard. What would we see? Well, we'd see one kid distracting another one so that he could steal his goldfish. Or we would see another kid shamelessly rip crayons out of another's hand. The teacher might even get so overwhelmed that they steal away their work time to the bathroom even though they don't have to use it because they just want to get away for a few minutes. And I remembered this when I was writing the sermon. I was like, I actually remember being like this as a kid. So when I was little, I remember being tempted to steal, but also felt a little bit bad about it. Um, Not that I thought, you know, a horrible me, I can't do this, but more like I don't want to get caught. So instead of just stealing outright, I asked my mom if I could steal. Um, So I remember one time we were at a friend's house and we were hanging out and my mom was hanging out with this friend's parents or or mom or something during the day in the living room and we were playing in one of the bedrooms and I remember I saw this Lego piece and I was a little bit older than this particular friend um, and I was like, "Ah, he probably doesn't need that one. It's like really small. It's kind of cool. Like he doesn't even know what it is. So I really wanted this Lego piece. So I picked it up, walked into the living room and asked my mom, can I take this? And she said, no. Of course. Um, And that was that. But nonetheless, we are all tempted to gain something for nothing. We want to get more for less. As less as possible. Free of money, free of energy spent. Even if it means taking something undercover and in secret. And like all the commandments that we've talked about, This one is here because stealing harms society, destroys relationships, rejects the reality that we are God's images. And when you take from others, you're actually harming the image of God. And it turns our hearts away from worshiping God. 
So today I want to take us a little bit deeper into this commandment to see what God says about possessions and stealing all throughout the Bible and why that would show up here in this beautiful summary of the whole law called the Ten Commandments. So let's go back and get some context for that. Let's review these verses. So start in Exodus 20, verse 1 with me. I'll have it on the screen. We'll just read the whole of the Ten Commandments that we've seen so far leading up to this one. So here are these words. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." And you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or their sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord God made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal. I know that's long, but in 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, the young pastor, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. So in a sense, there's probably nothing better than we could do than to just do that every week to just read these commandments together. But we're focusing today specifically on this eighth commandment. And also, you know, Jesus said that there were two great commandments. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said that summed up the whole law. So a lot of people have actually broken down these 10 commandments and they've said that the first five, the first half are about our relationship to God, loving the Lord your God. And the second half is about loving your neighbor as yourself. And we're in that second half right now. We're in these commands that they seem really short and punchy, but they have a lot to say to us about how to love our neighbors. So what does it mean to steal? Let's dive into this. Stealing means serving yourself by taking from others. Stealing means serving yourself by taking. That's the first point. Now, there's a lot more to stealing than you may think. It doesn't just happen when you walk into the Dollar General and pick up the toothpaste and put it in your pocket and walk out. That's how we think about stealing, which is true. Or maybe like my Lego example when I was a kid. Or this kid right here who very subtly has this truck under his shirt. Um... I don't think that he's going to get caught. I think he's on, on the good path. He's, he's ready to go. Um, but stealing happens all the, times in a, all the time in a number of ways. So let me just walk you through some of the ways that we see it in the Bible first before we walk through how we see it in our own lives. 
Think about Jacob. Jacob was the founding father of Israel. And God promises blessing was going to come to Jacob. Jacob was going to be the father of Israel. He was going to have descendants, and the promise to Abraham was going to come through Jacob, even though he was the younger. But Jacob can't wait, so he steals. He steals the firstborn blessing from his brother and from his father because he's not willing to wait for the blessing from God. Or right here in Exodus, second book of the Bible, after the Ten Commandments, we get some elaborations on this command. So I've got a passage here. Exodus 22.1 says, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an oxen and four sheep for a sheep. So you get this kind of retribution. There's even more to pay back. Or Exodus 21.16 It says, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. So sheep is repaid with sheep, but human life is repaid with human life under the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. And it's ironic to me, actually, that this command in our series falls on July 4th. When you think about some of the dark sides in American History, like slavery, or things like the Trail of Tears, are perhaps the epitome of a rejection of this command. So the Eighth Commandment logically follows the Sixth Commandment, you shall not murder. Proverbs 5.20, it says, Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress. So the eighth commandment also logically follows the seventh commandment. And just like we saw that all of those first few commandments were tied together, I think we're seeing that these last half of the commandments are tied together as well. How can we love each other? How can we love our neighbor? Or Jeremiah 23 says, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, thus says the Lord. Sorry if that was the wrong passage. I might have put the wrong one up there. But the idea there is that God is saying the prophets were stealing my words. They were saying, thus says the Lord, even though I wasn't speaking. So the prophets were stealing God's platform for their own advancement. Do we think of pastors and preachers and great speakers in history or in our times as stealing when they don't faithfully teach and preach God's word, but just use the platform for themselves? So stealing is clearly an issue all throughout the Bible. This happens in so many different ways. But I think the most important passage for thinking about stealing is in Genesis 3. You remember this story? In Genesis 3... Eve steals from the only tree in the garden that God had forbidden. All the other trees belonged to her and were there for her joy and delight and food. She takes from the tree because the serpent had tempted her. And then she tells Adam about it. And Adam should come in and say like, no, you know, let's repent, you know, yada, yada. But no, Adam's all up for taking takes as well. 
And it's because the serpent, Satan, who left heaven because he tried to steal the throne of God had tempted them to steal from God as well. And you know, throughout this Ten Commandments series, in almost every sermon, we've seen a connection between each commandment and our calling to image and reflect God. So you remember this in the second commandment, you shall not make images or worship them because instead we celebrate God's images that He made. He calls us His images. Or the third, we bear God's name faithfully when we live as His faithful images. Or the fifth, we honor our parents because they are God's images, His representatives of authority in our lives. We should not kill because people are the very image of God. We shouldn't commit adultery because people are the image of God. And here, we should not steal because stealing makes us the images of Satan. Adam and Eve in stealing were rejecting God's image. They were rejecting the gift they had been given to be God's images and instead were being the images of Satan. Stealing means serving yourself by taking and it means reflecting the father of thieves. So the Bible has a lot to say about stealing, obviously. You might just be like, man, he was right. I should have gone straight to the barbecue today. Um, But stay with me. I know it's dark and kind of heavy, but stay with me today. The Bible has a lot to say about stealing, but what about us? There's going to be a little bit more bad news before we get to the good news, but let me give it to you so that the good news tastes really good when we get there. Did you know that when you're sitting in class and you look over and you see that the student next to you has got some answers down that you haven't got and you cheat, as we call it, you're stealing. And I did this when I was a kid. I mean, I remember, you know, fifth grade. Open up the textbook, look in the back for the answers, or look at the kid next to me. I remember the temptation. Or when you write a paper and someone else's direct ideas you want to incorporate but without giving them credit, it's called what? Plagiarism. Stealing. Now for good measure, let me just say that that idea about reflecting Satan when we steal instead of reflecting God comes from Jen Wilkin, 10 Words to Live By. Okay, we've got to be on guard uh, against any form of plagiarism. So I just want to shout out to Jen Wilkins' book. It's great. <laughs> Ten words to live by. Check it out. I'll have it up here if you want to look through it at the end. Um, and it was great. I got that idea from her. It's like, wow, I can give credit. This is a beautiful thing. When you're doing your taxes, and you change up some of the numbers, it's stealing. It's dishonest. When you walk out of that hotel room, not just with the complimentary soap, but with a couple towels as well in your bag. Now, they're cheap towels. So you're like, I'm not going to use them, but I could use some new towels for my dog or something. You know, it's like, this would be great, and we don't have to buy any. So you see, this is far more prevalent in our lives than we like to think. It's far more prevalent than just those few people who swipe stuff off the shelf at a store and make it past the alarm system. Let me just say this. Gambling, I think, cultivates a culture of greed that can easily slip into the stealing mindset, which is to serve yourself. 
by taking from others. Now, I know that uh, before today, most people liked me in this church, and I'm not sure that after this one, it's going to be the same. So I might as well keep going. I've got two more examples. I just want to bring it home to us. I want us to feel the weight of God's command for us. So I work at a restaurant, and it can be really tempting being on the feet, fast-paced, eight-hour shift, hungry, tempting. You know, nobody's looking. They pull the mask down, throw a fry in the mouth, maybe a few, maybe a few chicken nuggets or something. It can be really tempting to do what? Let's call it what it is, to steal food. You work with food all day. It's hard. Or how about this one? This one convicted me. You're on the clock at your job, and there's a no phone policy, but you just can't help it. You have to respond to your friends. You have to check Facebook. So you steal by using paid time for personal time. As far as I know, I've never done the food thing, but I've probably lost count of how many times I've done the phone thing, which was interesting. I had a meeting with my boss this week, and we were talking about something completely different. And he was like, yeah, talking about work outside of, or life outside of work, you know, what's going on. I was talking about preaching this weekend. And I brought this up. I was like, I'm actually giving a shout out to the restaurant. And I'm actually talking about stealing food. You know, that, I know that some people have kind of done that. I've never done that. And uh, I'm actually going to use this example, too, about um, uh, uh, doing the, the work time phone thing. <laughs> and uh, I've done that, yeah, quite a bit. So I told him about it. Now, I trust my boss. He, he's so kind, encouraging, forgiving. But it was good to name it what it is, okay? Because when we do that with any of our sin, however little in our own eyes, God breaks in and brings help, forgiveness, and beauty out of our brokenness. So there's so many ways to serve ourselves by taking from others, and that's what stealing is. And the bottom line is that God made us. He loves us, and He gives us these commands for our good. He gives us these commands so that we can reflect Him in everything that we do. And if we aren't faithful in these little things, then why would He entrust us with the big things? Because we want to come to the end. We want to come to the end of life and say, I've been faithful in the little things. And you might even be thinking like, I don't know how many days I have left. But I want to challenge you today. Just like the thief on the cross, there is time. And you do have time left. And instead of being discouraged with despair, what a beautiful vision you can have to say, I can be faithful in every little thing going forward. Not that I'll be perfect but I'll have this mindset or this hope or this struggle to be faithful in the little things. I think that we reveal our integrity when we are faithful in the little things when no one is watching. And I'm preaching to myself, believe me. So all of that is the bad news. We all need to understand the ways that we steal so that we can know the specific ways that God's grace comes to us. Stealing is serving ourselves by taking so the second point today, the opposite of stealing is serving others by giving. The opposite of stealing is serving others by giving. God is a giver. 
And the goal of the Ten Commandments is to help us, to give us a law, laws that help us image and reflect God. And we can't do it by ourselves. Because we are sinners, our only hope is Jesus, the perfect image of God. He wasn't interested in serving himself by taking, but he was interested in serving others by giving. And as much as this law should challenge us, convict us, and make us think like, how can I live better and more faithfully? I think ultimately it should actually point us to Jesus, the person, the God-man who left heaven and came down to earth to give. Because we will always fail in some ways, even when we repent. And we need the perfect image of God, Jesus Christ. So listen to these few passages. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus had heaven's throne. He had everything because He's God and God made everything. He made angels and creatures and animals and birds and fish to worship and glorify Him. He said that even stones could praise Him. He had everything and He left all of it to come and to give. Or look at this passage, Luke 9.58. says, this is Jesus speaking on earth. And he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't take. He was homeless in this world. Even when he didn't, it seems like he didn't have to be. There was something that was so much more valuable to him than his comfort. Or 2 Corinthians 8, 9 It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's a summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ in economic terms. It's pretty cool. God is creative, gives us all kinds of images. So here we get the economic image. He was rich and became poor so that you, by his poverty, could become rich. Jesus lays down his life in order to give us life. And that's why we should not steal, because we already have everything. In Jesus Christ, we have everything, everything we can need. In Jesus, we have eternal life. He died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to give us new life. And we will inherit everything because we are sons of God adopted in Jesus Christ who inherits everything by His resurrection. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has died for us to bring us to God. And if we have God, we have everything. Everything. Amen. Psalm 23.1 says, The Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing. Or Psalm 3410, it says, Those who fear the Lord lack no good thing. Amen. We steal because we suffer. We suffer in this world. That's why temptation comes. We live in a fallen, sinful, painful world, and we don't like to suffer. No one likes to suffer. We don't like lacking something. 
Even if we don't really lack something, but we just think we do, we don't like that feeling, so we take things into our own hands and we fill our pockets in any way we can to bring us comfort. And this is the promise we need. I know this is a lot of verses today. Um, just kind of got to draw on a lot when you're preaching on a verse that's only five words long. I shall not steal. Four words. Wow. So I know it's a lot of verses, but I think this one will help sum up everything that I've said so far. So look at this one. One more. Romans 8, 16 to 17. It says, We are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So because of the gospel, we have God. We're sons and daughters of God, our king, our father. So we will inherit everything with Jesus. We don't lack anything, but we still suffer. We suffer, but we suffer with hope. Our hope is the fact that we will inherit everything with Jesus. Not in this life, but in the life to come. If we suffer with Him here, we will be glorified with Him there in the new creation. And God can preserve us and make us and transform us into givers until He glorifies us in heaven. So what do we do today? We trust in Jesus. We live like him. We become content with what we have. And again, like this commandment, I mean, it follows the last two. It's going to launch us into the next ones about not coveting, but being grateful, being thankful, being content with what we have is actually the last commandment. Ephesians 4.28 repeats this command the don't of this command, but it also gives us the do. It says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So we actually can become people whose mission is to give and share with others, serving them like Jesus, because Jesus has already given us all things by His grace, by His death, and by His resurrection. So this command is serious for us today, and I, I want us to hear it. Um, I, I, give, I gave so many examples, not because I think that covers everything, but because I think that'll help you. That, that, that's like the doorway. So you can walk through the doorway of those examples and see a room full of other examples that I just don't have time to name, I might not even know about. Maybe it's just something specific that the Lord's bringing to your mind that you can grow in or change or repent of and obey Him. I know there's other things that I thought of that I didn't name. And I named so many so that you can think about how does this word from God thousands of years ago apply to us today as we seek as a church and as a people to image and reflect God. I think it's serious for us today. And, you know, sometimes we command someone to do something ourselves and it's a little bit half-hearted or, you know, maybe we don't really care if they do it or not. Maybe it's even a joke. Um, so I had one of these commands this week. I gave a little joke command to somebody. 
And uh, let me tell you about this story. So a few days ago, I was studying for this sermon, and I was reading this other book, just brought it just to show you. It's called The Ten Commandments by a guy named Peter Lightheart, and it's small. I love small books. So I try to read a lot, but man, finishing a long book is almost impossible for me. Um, So I was reading this book, and it was so good. I mean, chapters were like four or five pages long on each commandment, but there was so much packed into it, so I loved that. And I texted the elder team. And I had this little group text, and I texted them a picture of it, and I said, guys, this book is great. Even though we're almost done with the series, pick it up. It'll be good devotional reading for you to keep applying the things that we've talked about in this series. And I gave this command. I said, you know, because, you know, when we tell somebody to buy something because we like it, what's the pushback? Well, there's money, you know? I don't want to spend my money on that. I don't, how do I know if I'm going to like it as much as you like it? So I gave them this little command. I said, buy it, and if you can't afford it, sell your shirt and buy it. <laughs> now, for the record, this was a joke because I wasn't expecting any of the elders to actually, like, shred their shirt off and go down the street and try to sell it for this book. But maybe an hour or two later, and Yas texts back, and he says, well... I just sold my shirt to buy that book. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's amazing. And then Galen texts back to this group text, and he says, and I just bought the shirt. I've been wanting that one. <laughs> I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever heard of. So how serious is it to learn about, study God's word, and apply it? Apparently, it's worth in Yas taking his shirt off, selling it to Galen, and Galen being comfortable enough with buying it and then still wearing it. So, you know, um, I don't know, you know. Sometimes we just make joke commands, and I guess like that, they actually are fulfilled by somebody. But I, I just say that to say that God is really serious with his commands, and there are no joking commands in God. Even though God is good and kind and amazing and wonderful, and he's full of laughter, and I'm sure that he's full of jokes. I mean, it's written all over us as people. We're just, like, it's just funny. Like, what's drawn us together besides God? And uh, you read scripture and you see puns and sarcasm and all kinds of stuff. So it's great. I'm not saying God's not funny and God's not down to earth. But God is also glorious and majestic. And he's serious about his commands. And he loves us and he wants us to fulfill his commands and walk in his ways because he's good. He's the king on the throne. He's worthy and he's a good, perfect sovereign king. So he gives us every command for our good, not to destroy us, but to build us up into his kingdom, into his people. He's serious about these commands. And it's so short and so easy to pass over, to pass by. But hopefully today we've dug a little bit deeper to think, how does this apply for me for my good and for the good of my family and for the good of other people? Um, So, I'll invite the worship team up, actually. We're almost done here. God is serious. And there's one more little part to add. It's kind of a third point, but it's really going to close us out into our time of response. The second point is that the opposite of stealing is serving others by giving. So, the third point just adds one word. The opposite of stealing is serving others and yourself by giving. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We belong 
to God. Don't steal yourself away from God and break the first commandment of worshiping yourself instead of God. Ironically, gaining something for nothing never happens. It's actually impossible. There's uh, no way. It always costs something. And when we steal ourselves away from God in order to be free and liberated from Him and His commands, it actually binds us and costs us everything. So this third point is just a way of saying it actually serves you to be a giver. It actually serves you too to be a giver. And Jesus is great with that. God wants that to be the case. That's why Jesus said, you'll provide yourself with treasures in heaven by your obedience. It actually serves you more to give yourself fully to God. So our final application today is not just more don't steals, different things that you can think of, but the final application today is to give yourself to God. Because every commandment circles back to the first. To have no other gods before God. To give yourself to God. And every commandment points forward to Jesus. Jesus, the image of God, who died for you, loves you, rose again from the dead for you, to forgive you of your sin, and to provide you with an inheritance in the new creation. So let's just respond with our eyes closed today and just pray in your seat where you are. Ask God what response He has for you today. How can you give yourself to God this morning? How can you trust in Jesus? And I want to invite you, if you've never trusted in Jesus or if you're not willing to call yourself a believer in Jesus yet, I want to encourage you today to open yourself to giving yourself to Jesus because He's good and because He loves you. And we would love to talk with you about that. We'll be in the back, ready, willing, eager to pray with you and to talk with you. So as you pray, respond where you are. Come talk to us. Trust in Jesus today. And if you are a follower of Jesus, trust in Him again and again and again. For the thousandth time, trust in Him today. He has given you everything that you need in the family, in the church. You have resources here to tap into. Ask him, how can I be a giver who serves others like the Lord Jesus that I follow? Amen. So God, I just pray for this time that you would really open our hearts to respond to you today, God. We want to give ourselves to you and trust you today because you're a good father. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.